Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. And so this is a prophetic sermon. Um, This is a prophetic day, and I'm already seeing faces highlight in the room. I'll just say to you, Bridget, your previous mantle is not enough to take you into what's next. And so he's bringing increase to you. What you thought was a setback is not a setback at all, but it's an opportunity to bring increase in your heart, in your mind. Uh, Y'all don't know who Bridget is and it doesn't matter. God sees you and he knows your phone number. He knows your address. He knows your married name and he knows your maiden name. He even knows your middle name and he cares. And he knows about the brokenness, but he uses brokenness to demonstrate his strength. And so he's bringing increase into your heart, even as you sit right here in this room. So I just feel like I wanted to say it and then do a big bam on top of it so that you feel the impact that this is the word from the Lord to you. Okay. Carson loved that. Carson just, he liked that. Bam. He's bending over laughing. Uh, so babe, let's start today. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to talk about 10 ways to identify a growing prophetic ministry. So yes. we're going to test you. Yes. I feel like I'm getting adjusted in this seat. Oh. I know. I, okay. I want to step forward because I'm excited. It's all good. I want to say we were watching the service online last Sunday on vacation and pastor Tanner, my goodness, what a word. He brought, and um, I almost felt like, man, we're, we're, we, can, uh, we can move on into a presence people, um, but we're, we are going to wrap it up today, but what a powerful word. Here's the thing, um, you know, it's in, uh, I'm going to pull up, 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, where Paul lays out uh, the spiritual gifts um, and all of that, and we know that sandwiched between chapter 12 and 14 is this chapter on love. And I thought, man, after hearing your word on Sunday, you know, I've always just connected that with, with love for others, right? Which it is. But what I saw on Sunday was that, no, like it's first love. It's first love. We said when I, when I um, opened this up on a Mother's Day, I said, love is the necessary motivator for all spiritual gifts. And, and so I want to say, First love, we know that what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And so it is both, but it's first love first. <laughs> and, um, and so- let, we, me, let me just, yeah. this is not on the screen, so just trust me that I'm reading from the NIV. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, I love 12, 13, and 14, and it's separated in the Bible by chapters, but it was written as one complete message. So you have to understand the context. He says, Paul writes um, in verse 
29. I'm, there's, I could read the whole chapter. I'm just going to start at verse 29. First Corinthians 12, 29. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. And then immediately... In chapter 13, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a sounding gong and a clanging cymbal. Mm -hmm. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. It doesn't matter how great your gift is. In fact, we make idols out of our gifts and we, we idolize ourselves. We try to make a name for ourselves and end up in a place of idolatry. And if you don't have love, Paul said, you're nothing. And then chapter 14, I love chapter 14. It goes straight. It's just, again, this is context. First Corinthians 14, verse one, follow the way of love. And eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. Yeah. Okay. You see the connection. It says, if, if, if though I prophesy and don't have love, I'm nothing. But then he says in the very next piece, sandwiched in the middle, it's got to be bathed in love. Yeah. In first love. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then he says, seek prophecy the most. Yeah. Okay. I want to say this too, because we're, we're kind of, I think we're fired up. We came from three days of prophetic conference with, um, it was powerful. And one thing that was said was, was talking about um, this very thing. When you just said, we don't make our gifts an idol. And when we think about the fivefold ministry gifts, the five ascension gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, oftentimes we put those gifts, those people who are gifts to the body on a pedestal that they don't belong. There's only one king. There's only one man wearing a crown and his name is Jesus. And so oftentimes we experience church hurt. I know many in this room that have, that have experienced, you know, spiritual abuse, church hurt. And let me just say, a lot of times that's because we've put our leaders in places they don't belong. We put them on a, a, a on a pedestal, on a, on a throne where they don't belong. Please don't ever put us on a throne. There's only one who sits on the throne, and his name is Jesus. Um, but yeah. I do appreciate when people make me banana pudding. <laughs> He's like, please still love me. Just don't, you know. Uh, oh, no, it, today, today, uh, uh, because we have donuts with Dad, and, you know, I'm about nine months, ten months into living the diabetic life, right? Eating well, overcoming diabetes, overcoming diabetes, That's what I like to say. believing for, for, and when I go back in July, I'm just trusting that my uh, A1C will be down and they'll take me off meds. But today was delivered to me a sugar-free, sugar-free banana pudding. pudding. Oh, so sweet. So take the crown off, but bring the pudding. <laughs> 
So good. Okay, we're gonna dive in. We're gonna we're gonna recap briefly, and then Pastor David's gonna um, list those ten ways to identify a growing prophetic ministry. Okay, but I'm gonna recap a couple things. Um, we laid out a lot of foundation. I would encourage you. You know, Dwell Church has a podcast. Every Sunday's message is up on our Dwell Church podcast. If you've missed anything uh, on this series on the prophetic, I encourage you uh, to listen to it on our podcast. Um, but we said we are a prophetic people, whether or not. Um, you ever have ever prophesied, um, whether or not you even believe in the prophetic, you, we are a prophetic people. We are the fulfillment of old Testament prophecy. Uh, we are Gentiles and God's covenant was not with us. It was with Israel, but old Testament prophecy pointed to the Messiah that would come and make a way for all nations, uh, to come to him. So we've been grafted in. So we are a prophetic people. Um, another thing that we said, the main thrust of present day prophecy is to stir up, build up, and cheer up. Everybody say that. Stir up, build up, cheer up. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse three says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. I laid out the, the foundations of prophetic ministry, that there are four levels of prophetic utterance and ministry. So we're just gonna hit through these really quickly. The first is, we used a big word, if you remember it, inscripturated prophetic revelation. Which is just inscripturated. It's just scripture, okay? Scripture is the purest, most reliable, and highest realm of inspired prophetic revelation. All other forms and realms of prophecy are judged by it, by scripture. Um, and so the more we know the word of God, the easier it is to recognize his voice. I, I tell this to worship leaders, you know, everyone wants to flow prophetically and spontaneous song as a worship leader. Uh, I know I'm not talking to, to worship leaders uh, today, but the same principle applies. You've got to get the word of God inside of you. And then in a moment, you know, this, this, it bubbles up. It, it comes up from, from the inside uh, of you, the good ground of your heart, right? When we plant the seed of the word, um, it comes forth. And so it's the same thing with, with prophesying. Um, it, we've got to know the word of God and, um, and it's easy to recognize the voice of God when we know his word, the logos, which is the written word is the well that the rhema draws from. Okay, the you rhema word- You should say word, that again. You should say that again. I will. The rhema word is the now word, right? What God is saying right now, but the logos is, is the, the written word of God. So the logos is the well that the rhema draws from, okay? Uh, the second uh, level or the second uh, form of prophetic ministry is- the ministry of the New Testament prophet, those five ascension gifts uh, that we talked about, apostle, prophet, evangelist, they're pastor, called, and They're teacher. called ascension gifts because in Ephesians 4, and we'll probably get to Ephesians 4 in a minute, says, he, and he called, uh, he made some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints. It says, and he ascended so that he may fill all things. Right. And so in, in his ascending is when he established this fivefold apostles, pastors, evangelists, teachers uh, in the earth yeah. 
Uh, so it's so that's why they're they're called ascension gifts. It's because at his ascension, this new age of ministry began yes. called the church, and with it came its uh, leadership structure yeah. found in the fivefold ministry. Yes, and so the New Testament prophet is a gift extension of Christ Himself, along with the four other ascension offices given by Christ to the church for her equipping. Uh, all of the prophetic revelation of the New Testament prophet is in the context of Christ speaking to his church and to the world, calling it to repentance, regeneration, and redemption. And so there are those, and we were with some of those, uh, some prophets who, who uh, the, the New Testament prophet, those, someone who sits in the office of a prophet, that is their life calling. Malik Edwards is going to be with us next Sunday. And, and um, one of those. he is one of those. He you is have to a understand, as, as a people, as we encourage the prophetic in a house, it's not, we don't want to train you in the prophetic so that you can get a place at the pulpit. I could tell you in the last three years, there are people that are no longer here because I wouldn't let them come to the pulpit. Ouch. It's the truth. Uh, because it, the prophetic is, is uh, now we're talking about when there are specialists in those fields, but we're not talking about, and, and God may raise up specialists in this house, mm -hmm. but, and, but, but it's for, prophecy is for everyone. Right. Prophecy, the best way to understand prophecy is you just have to get close enough to him to hear his voice yes. and say what he says. Yes. He may say the simplest thing to you. He may say one word to you. You may be with someone and you just have this sense of, of I've seen people, I remember when the Vizays, Vizays <laughs> came into the church the first Sunday and, and there was just a highlight on Larry and I, I, and I just saw the, I don't know if it was, if I said the favor of God or the smile of God was resting on him. And it, it was just, that was it. That was the only thing that I saw was God smiling on him. There was a highlight. God may, uh, you might go into Starbucks and the barista, uh, you see them and you don't, you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord and talk in the King James Version. The Lord has a word for you today, my brother, my sister. Let me say unto thee. Uh, you're and if, gonna... if you do that, please don't tell them that you go to Dwell Church. <laughs> but you might, you might have this, this sense that the smile of God yeah. is on them. And you, you might only say, you know what? what what's your name? Frank. Okay. Mm -hmm. Frank, I just feel like, I just want you to know that I, uh, I, I'm going to pray that what you've been dreaming of will come to pass. And that's all you have to say. Mm -hmm. and, and it'll either open a door or it'll shut it down fast. And that's okay. But I'm, I'm just saying you don't have to have the King James download <laughs> to recognize something on someone. Right. The, yeah. we're, we're, this is for the equipping of the saints yeah. so that they can go out of here yes. and do the work of the ministry. And, and we need to hear the voice of God to lead our families 
to, to, um, to fulfill what we're called to do in the workplace, in every area. We need to have ears. Uh, I love that line in that song, my heart is ready, my ears are open. To, we wanna hear what God is saying and he directs us. I mean, time and time again, um, at, you know, in our personal lives and, and leading um, the areas, the sphere, you know, the realm of influence that we walk in in the earth. Um, okay, so we had scripture, the office of the New Testament uh, I almost said president, New Testament president, <laughs> New Testament prophet. The third one is the gift of prophecy. This is one of the nine gifts of the spirit listed in First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Paul refers to this gift as one of the best for the purpose of edifying the church and corporate gatherings. Uh, you already said this, Paul challenged believers to excel to prophecy and to especially desire to prophesy. Um, 1 Corinthians 14 and 1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Okay, and the fourth one is the spirit of prophecy. Um, and we said this, the spirit of prophecy is released in the atmosphere of the presence of God. In the corporate worship of the church, there is an atmosphere of God's presence where many of us, um, we, we sense the Holy Spirit uh, giving us a thought um, a, a word, putting a burden on us, maybe to pray for a certain person or for a certain thing. Um, we may see something in the spirit. Um, and so you, this, we, we may not all have the gift of prophecy working in us, um, you know, day in and day out. But when we come into the atmosphere of God's presence, when you truly see him, we are elevated as we come into his presence and, and we begin to see things. And so we can declare things in an atmosphere of the presence of God. And, um, and so I love that. I love that about this house. You know, not every church um, is functioning in the spirit of prophecy, okay? Um, and so, but when we come into his presence, we, we begin to see hope and future. And, um, and he speaks to us. Um, and so the last thing to wrap this up, uh, Revelation 19.10, many of you know uh, the scripture, uh, you know, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Um, I'm going to read Revelation 19.10 in the ESV. Um, and this is just to give you context, because context is important. When we're reading scripture, I have, uh, I know someone who says, um, I can do all things through Christ with the scripture taken out of context. <laughs> I, can all, I can do all things through Christ with the scripture. So the context of this is that John is on the Isle of Patmos. We just went all last year, went through the book of Revelation. We've got um, Revelation Project coming out soon. You've written a book on it. Um, and so um, John... Is, is he's been given this, he's encountered an angel, this heavenly messenger comes with this. It uh, says the marriage of the, uh, the, the, I'm saying it wrong. I need to pull up. The marriage scripture. of the supper uh, is, is, is ready. The supper, yes. It's ready. The marriage supper of the lamb is ready. And so John falls down and worships the angel. And, um, and so did I put the. I, you know what? I'm just going to look it up on my phone because um, because I can, and it's right here. I'm going to read it. Oh, no, it's in here somewhere. <laughs> okay. I love this. Okay. 
John says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, hallelujah for the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. And John says, then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So it's critical to understand that this statement is a response to John's intention to worship the angel. Um, and so context, context. So because of the, I'm going to go nerdy here for a second. Okay. Because of the construction of the clause in the original Greek language, there are three common understandings of the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Y'all want to hear them real quick. Let's hear them. Okay. Jesus is the substance of all prophecy. Jesus is the common theme among all prophecy. That's the first one. The second one is all true prophecy bears witness about Jesus. Therefore, all prophecy should cause us to worship him alone. I'm going to say that one more time. All prophecy should cause us to worship him alone. And then the third one says the message or testimony given by Jesus is the essence of true prophecy. Jesus is the word and no prophecy comes to us except through him. So those are some common, um, you know, breakdown understanding of that scripture. Also, I love Bill, what Bill Johnson says about this scripture. He, he talks about the revelation that God gave him um, on the scripture. Um, and so one of the Hebrew definitions of the word testimony is do it again. And so when we share when we share our testimony, what Jesus has done in our lives, it release, it's a prophetic release to say, he did this for me, he, he can do, do it for you. He can do the impossible for you. And so as we share our testimony of Jesus, it releases, uh, it's a prophetic release into the atmosphere to whomever you're sharing it with, that God is able to, to do the impossible, okay? Okay, so I can give you an example. I remember it was March 19th. I don't know what year. It was before we moved to Dallas. So the year before we moved to Dallas. 2006. Because we had come to, to uh, Dallas to spend, uh, see my mom and dad. It was their, their anniversary was on the 17th. And so on that Sunday, we were at a church in Mesquite. And I began, uh, I, I started sharing some things that I began to learn. I heard uh, Bishop Garlington would always say, nothing happens in the kingdom without a declaration until something is said, which is, that's, that's how the prophetic works. Nothing happens until something is said. And uh, that's the way the earth was formed. 
a prophetic voice, the word, spoke the word. He yeah. said, let there be, and there was. Yeah. And so I, said, I remember saying that day that many, you know, in Proverbs it says, angels give heed to the voice of his word. Angels are poised, waiting for us to discover our voice. Having said that, many of our angels are bored. Come on. Waiting, waiting for you to step up into who you are. Yeah. It may be just a prophetic word over your own child. Yeah. When they're asleep and you walk by their door and say, in the name of Jesus, I declare that darkness is broken rebellion is broken it just those are that is that is moving in the spirit of prophecy you can okay um so this week we were at the at this conference um jane hammond many of you may know who who she is um she was sharing about um the the hebrew the hebrew year that we're in we know it's five seven eight two we in 2020 we entered five seven eight zero that's the the hebraic uh, calendar year and the number eight is the hebrew word pay which means the, the year of the voice and so she said isn't it interesting that in the year 2020, in the year 5780 on the Hebrew calendar, um, we, are, we are told to mask ourselves. We are silenced. We are, we are told that, you know, to, to not sing, to not, to not you know, to, to cover our mouth. And so, wow, I thought, man, um, you know, I think the enemy, the enemy knows more than, then sometimes we give him credit more than we know sometimes. So um, it's important to know we are now in five, seven, eight, two, but eight, that number pay means the year of the voice. So that just, it, it is, um, it's time to open up our mouths and make and declare some things. So, so I was in Mesquite. I, I, I found myself saying for the first time in a service, I said this, I declare today that while we, I told him about the angels respond to the voice of his word and said, so I say that while we worship today, people will be healed in the presence of God. And I remember thinking, oh my God, what did I just do? What did I just say? What if nothing happens? And I stepped back to the keyboard and I thought, what if something does? You can always embrace what if nothing happens or you can counter the right thing and say, what if something does? So I started worshiping and it went deep fast. It was mucus everywhere. <laughs> there was a move of God. The presence of God was so thick and weighty and I forgot what I said. About an hour and a half later, the pastor comes up and said, I want to know, did anybody get healed during the worship? And I was like, oh God, here we go. Here we go. And there was a man on this side of the church in his 60s comes running to the front of the church. And he said, when I was 20, I had surgery on my rotator cuff and they never could correct it. And at best, all I could do is get a, maybe a 90 degree angle of movement in my arm be, without excruciating pain. He said, but when he said that and started singing, I felt a heat in my arm and something popped in my shoulder. And he starts swinging his arm in a, in a circle and said, I haven't been able to do this for 40 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
So, so, so here's, so I was like, yay, God. So we, we lived in Nashville at the time. We went home and we were just leading worship. We weren't leading. We were actually singing on the team at our church in Nashville on on Wednesday night. And the pastor's wife was leading and she turned around. There was a pause. She turned around and said, David, do you have anything you want to share? And I'm like, as a matter of fact, let me tell you what happened on Sunday. And so I tell what happened to this man's shoulder. Maybe it takes me two minutes to tell the story. And there's a man sitting by the soundboard, almost like where Delo is, but he was sitting in a chair and he had uh, damaged one of his knees. And it was swollen twice the size of his other knee. And when I gave the testimony, his knee popped and the swelling instantly went down. Do it again, Lord. The very next Sunday, three, four days later, we're in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee at this church. And I'm like, I'm going to try it again. I told what happened about the rotator cuff, and there's a man, a karate instructor on this side of the, of the room, and there was a young 17-year-old high school football player on this side of the room. Both had damaged rotator cuffs. When I gave the testimony, both of them instantly, their shoulders popped and they were healed. I can tell you now there have been hundreds, hundreds of shoulders healed. Do it again, Lord. This is, this is the perfect example yeah. of how the spirit yeah. of prophecy. Yes. And you know the scripture that says, I don't have the address for it right now. Prophesy according to your faith. Okay, so what happens, the gift of faith comes on us in a moment. And, and we, we speak Suddenly we have the faith that's risen up within us to speak a thing. And so, and, and so that's what you did in that moment. Oftentimes we, um, we go into like, oh, you know, we go into think mode. Did y'all see the new Top Gun movie? Don't think, just do. Just do. So in those moments, it's like, don't step back. Don't go into reason. But, but let that gift of faith operate in, in you and, and let that declaration come out because because it's up to, up to him to do the rest. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so prophecy, the, 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 you know, again, Ephesians is the fourth chapter and he gave apostles, prophets for the equipping, for the equipping of the saints. Mm-hmm. So our heart is that you are equipped yeah. with an understanding that you don't have to wait till Sunday to gather in a building and let someone else say things for you. Come on. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That you can begin to function. And, and it's not like you don't have to wear a badge on your chest that says I'm a prophet. <laughs> Again, the simplest understanding is you just, it's like it's all connected. We're, we're on this path. We started at the top of the year and we said we were going to talk about uh, uh, a people of prayer, a prophetic people, and then from this we're going to move into a, a presence people. But you can't have one without the other. You can't have a prophetic voice if you're not near enough, if you don't have intimacy with Jesus. You can't have intimacy with Jesus if you don't have a prayer life. Just want you to know, in July, when we're on sabbatical, I will still be getting up out of my bed on Monday mornings at 6 a.m., and I'll pray. We're giving you, we're, we're giving you, there is, I, I would tell you, the, the benefit of just taking a week off and disconnecting and what it does for you. It's not, 
it's it we're not just trying to get a break uh but there's there is a power in us in us in taking a sabbath it's a uh, command it's a command yeah. for us to take a sabbath so uh so i will still be getting up and praying i would encourage you to do so in fact i'm going to pray on wednesdays at seven even though i'm, I'm not here <laughs> i just want you to know that because we pause gathering in the building prayer doesn't stop because yeah. if i don't come with the word on sunday it's because i haven't spent time in prayer Okay, so the equipping, we want fathers to be equipped. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day again. We want, especially fathers, there is this godly plan of structure in the home for men to cover their families and for families to learn uh, how to function as a kingdom family. You don't have to be weird, but you have to know Jesus. You have to teach your kids to pray. You yeah. have to, you know, I, I think I've said before in sermons that when I was a kid, there's six kids in my family and we were forced to learn the Bible. Like we had to memorize once a week a chapter and we got $5 each if we memorized and we got a whipping if we didn't. <laughs> but we got the word. What's, what's beautiful is I find myself throughout the years in ministry that I'll be talking to someone who's, who's struggling with the situation. And one of those scriptures that I memorized comes bubbling out. I'm like, and, and it's like speaking a word, just knowing a word is one thing, but how, when it fits a particular situation and you feel the power, it's like a chisel or a surgical tool. When you use that word and it cuts away, uh, the, 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 whatever this person's going through and you see, the light come on in their eyes when you use yeah. the word. Yeah. I, I want to go, while we're, you were just talking to fathers, I want to say just as a representation of wives and mothers in the house that um, husbands, uh, fathers of our children, we want you to lead us. We want to follow you as you follow Christ. We want you to love us as Christ loved the church. Um, and, and so I just, um, I just want to say that. Yeah. There are times, there are times Nicole and I will be, uh, having conversation about whatever, there'll be some kind of stressful moment and Nicole will, uh, as because she's wired this way, she, she takes on the, the weight of something. And I just remember recently, she was just kind of sharing her heart with me. And, and I was like, I was waiting I didn't know, I didn't know what to say. I was, I was like, God, give me something, give me something to respond to what she's saying. Cause sometimes guys, they're not looking for you to say something. They just, <laughs> they just want to be heard, <laughs> right? They just, just listen to me. And, but, but I still wanted, I wanted a word. I wanted a word from the Lord to be able to bring peace. And I, and, and the word never came. And so I'll find myself in many occasions where I'll just say, let's just pray. And then the word will come while I pray yep. and I'll pray the word instead of trying to be wise. I'll just start praying. God, yes. you are our answer. Yeah. You, you are our peace. I heard this weekend at the prophetic conference, he's joy unspeakable and full of glory. What was it? Uh, joy unspeakable. And he also said joy untweetable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah. so, 
let's move on. I have, there's, there's, now, as we, as we get you ready, I want to, I've got 10 questions, and I want you to look at yourself, examine yourself when we ask you these questions to see if perhaps the prophetic might be something on your life. Number one, do you sense an unction from the Holy Spirit to share a word or bring a message? Does that ever happen to you, anybody? Does it happen often? Right. I remember that I told you guys before when I was like eight or nine years old and someone gave a message in tongues and I felt like God gave me the interpretation. You remember that, me telling you that story? Yeah. And then uh, it's like I, just like I became aware that I could hear from another realm. Yeah. Okay, second question. Do you have an unusually keen sense of perception around God's people. Mm. Just think about that. Yeah. A part of your development is bringing that to your pastor and receiving guidance. Yeah. Good. Like, you know, it's like, someone in your life that you look up to or you're accountable to, if you sense that God is speaking something to you, take it to someone yeah. more mature, perhaps in your own perception uh, and, and bring and get guidance, right. get guidance. Number three, can you sense a person's spirit easily when praying or ministering to them? Mm. I've watched Lisa Lyman function like that a lot. She will, she will get this premonition or God, God will just give her an awareness of something yeah. to be able to discern that. Yeah. Does it just, have you ever been praying for someone and you just kind of sense something? Yep. Yep. So good. Do you, number four, do you consistently receive spiritual messages in meetings that line up exactly with what is being preached. This is cool. Can I share something about that? No. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'll submit. Um, <laughs> um, I was hearing someone teach on this and they said, um, the one way that God confirmed in them that, that, that he was speaking to them and they were, they had the gift of prophecy was for several weeks um, when they were in prayer before service, um, they got the sense. It was like they, they knew exactly what the pastor was going to preach. God was, was speaking to their heart. Well, it's like, and then the pastor, they didn't necessarily, the they didn't necessarily know what the preacher was going to preach. They just got a word in prayer. Right. And then they go into service after prayer and, and then, then he preaches. Yes. And so that was how God uh, was confirming to him. Like I'm giving, you have this gift of prophecy functioning in your life. And so I love that. As worshipers, as worship leaders for being worship pastors and, and functioning in churches with teams for years, uh, and it, it works the same when you're trying to develop a list of songs for a service and then some spooky way you sing the right song and you never conferred with the pastor about what he was going to preach. And when he gets up and preaches, yes. it's like that happened with us once with T.D. Jakes, I thought. <laughs> We, we, we picked the right song for that one. We win. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. Number five. Do you, you want to have, why don't you read 
Okay, number five is, do you receive dreams consistently that afterwards come true? Um, I would encourage you, there's a whole lot of information on dreams. Uh, there are so many, Jane Hammond, different ones that have books, people that, that are, tr- are prophets function in this office that have um, books. I know Bethel has stuff on, on dreams and kind of getting a greater understanding if you are someone who has prophetic dreams. Um, number six, are you able to look out over a group of people and have an impression that one or more individuals are standing out from others and you feel a prompting towards them? I see you do that a lot. I, that happened today. Yes. That yes. happened today, but there, I just, there's still others that I haven't pointed out yet that I, that are, okay. that are standing out, yeah. but that happens to me on a regular basis. Yeah. Number seven. When you're worshiping or praying, do names or faces pass before you on a regular basis? Yeah. It's not the obvious. It's often the thought behind the thought. Yeah. I love that. I think sometimes when we're praying and maybe a person comes to our heart, we think it's a distraction from prayer, (laughs) but oftentimes it's the Lord saying like, pray for them, pray for this person, send them a text, check on them. Um, and so I think it's, it's so important that we act on that. That's happened to me before. And I felt like it was a distraction, but I prayed for them to get them out of my way. (laughs) So, so that I could, but, but it really, it was, it it is, it's the truth. It was like the Lord, you realize after, (laughs) after all of this, yeah. um, Number eight. I dreamed that Kareem and Lynn started a business. I didn't know when I was going to be able to share this. I just remembered just now. But last week on vacation, I dreamed and I woke up and told Nicole, I had a dream that Kareem and Lynn started a business and it exploded. It was very, very successful. I just, I have learned to pay attention to my dreams. So I don't know what that means to you. I don't know if it means anything, but I'm just saying what I dreamed. So there you go. Do it, Lord. Yes. Number eight, when worshiping, do names of specific health impairments drop into your mind? John Brockman always functioned that way. Always. I was a little jealous. <laughs> but God will will drop that in our hearts, and it's something He wants to do in the room. Um, he wants to heal. Okay, number nine. Do you want me to read it? Number nine. Do you often receive insight into um, church or people like a problematic situation that are later proven to be right and wise? Yes. <laughs> You may receive insight or feel something about a certain situation. I encourage you to bring that to your leaders, to bring that to us, to bring that to the elders in this house. Um, I don't like that part because I want to like everybody. Well, we do like everybody. No, some people I don't like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love everybody. Okay, that's okay. All right. But there are some that I would like to kick in the tail. I'm scared. Just, okay. just, just on the butt where it's cushy, you know. No. You want to read that was, that was, uh, that was, that was a metaphor. Okay. Yes. Number ten. Oh no, we are. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. We gotta hurry. Okay. Number ten. Babe, it's Father's Day. Number ten. Do you often receive ideas and concepts regarding how the Holy Spirit may move next in a church, and later it comes true? So just, 
I mean, you may not even be, you may not even be the person in charge of the service, but you have this sense that this is where, where God's going. You know, I, I've spoken to many of you and you're, you're like, there's just this always confirming, uh, encouraging. This is what I see God doing. I get that from, from Josh Rubio. I get it from Bobby. I get it from different ones. Lisa, uh, I, I just, I, I, so, and I love that. Yeah. I want to say oftentimes in worship, I will see things or, um, definitely hear things that I don't always say, but in my worship, I declare it in my spirit. I release it. And so, um, you know, if, if you're, if you, sense that, what, that God's wanting to do something specifically, or you hear it, man, while you're worshiping or while we're praying, just release that into the atmosphere right from right where you are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's not a real sermon until we have a scripture <laughs> that on the screen that everybody can see, on the screen. or you've got your Bible in your hands. Yeah. I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture from second Kings, the fourth chapter. Babe, are you rushing me? She said, we got to wrap this up. I'm like, (laughs) Uh, if I thought she was rushing me, uh, you better know I wouldn't say that out loud. (laughs) I'm just trying to get a laugh because I, I'm, what do you call it? Because you're a seven on the Enneagram. (laughs) Okay. Hear this word. Hear this word. Second Kings starting with chapter four, starting with verse eight. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. And let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I want you to understand that they made a place for the prophetic. They built a place for the prophetic. They, one translation said, I perceive that you're a man of God. Yeah. And they created a place for the prophetic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, then it happened one day that he came there and he turned in to the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. In other words, I have all I need. I don't, I don't need you to put a word in for me with anyone. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son. And her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Yes. 
I want you to see us standing in the doorway. Standing in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace the sun. And I just want to say, it's, it's not about the specific, as it applies to us, it's not about the, the specific prophetic word. It's, it's a promise being spoken by yes. a prophet. About this time next year, you shall re- embrace a promise, a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. Have you ever felt like your promise died? Have you wondered, God, you said this. You said this. Now I'm sitting in isolation. I'm sitting. People think I'm a liar. People think I'm crazy because I was bold enough to declare the promises of God on my life and to hold it in my hands. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Now her son lay dead on the prophet's bed. And she didn't even tell her husband. Instead, she said, it is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace. Do not slow down unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, Now, when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready. And take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. Or if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives, that's not good enough. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gehazi looks like a nice man, but that's not who I came to see. Come on. He's not the one that spoke the promise. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. 
Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. He went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. He put his eyes on the eyes of the child. That's signifying vision. He put his mouth on the child's mouth. Signifying breath and voice. He put his hands on the child's hands. Hands represent capability, what you are able to do. So he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times. Uh, they tell us scientifically uh, it's significant about a sneeze. A sneeze is like, you know, you ever, you ever, your phone starts malfunctioning and the best way to stop the malfunction, like something will quit working, is to power it off and do a reset. Scientifically, they say a sneeze resets your ability to breathe. And so it's, uh, you turn your computer off or, or uh, you know, we, they talk about the government's trying to go through this reset. Here, he sneezed seven times. And the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came into him, he said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. Jesus. This woman's sense of. Refusing to have less than the promise of God. The promise spoken by a prophet that had come to pass and lived in her house for years, for several years. And she refused to let the promise die. This woman had the fortitude that I'm going after, I'm going after the prophetic. She made a place for the prophetic yeah. in her home. And she, it, it, it caused her to stand firm. And so I just want to, I want you to see, I want you to see the zeal this woman had as, yeah. she, as she's riding as fast as she can. They say it was probably a four to five hour uh, trip on, on the back of a mule. Uh, it's, it's so she, and she said, don't slow down. She's going and she told her husband, it is well. Yeah. She gets to Gehazi and Gehazi said, is, is your husband okay? Is your child okay? And she said, it is well. And so, so we're at a time in the life of this church where we have, 
had words prophesy over us about people lining out the door to get in. And what do you say? You don't sound like the woman, though. It's like it looks like it looks like uh, you should be further along than you are right now as a church. What do you say to that? It looks like there there would be more miracles manifesting. It looks like all that's been prophesied about the glory of God, all that you sing about the glory of God, and it just looks like, you know, a bunch of emotionalism. What do you say? It is well. It is well. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is well. Do it again, Lord. We make a place for the prophetic. In our lives, in our hearts, we equip ourselves with the understanding. We prepare ourselves to move forward into the things that you have spoken over us. And we say, it is well. The fire burns in our hearts to see all that you have promised. And we will not rest until the promise rests in our lap. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.